The music is by the Kingfish, but it's performed by the Knights of the Mystic Sea. Oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on it. This <laughs> <clears throat> keeps sliding around. Why are you making it slide around? It's sliding me around. Oh. Okay, you ready to go? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> Don't let me stop you. Oh, okay, well, uh... <laughs> Welcome once again to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss Hero Jeremy. Hello. How's it going? Um, it's going all right. Do you uh, get all your noises out of your body? I think we got them all out. Yeah, I think I did too. <coughs> oh, there was a cough left in there. <laughs> all right. I'm going to be silent for the rest of the show. Uh, no. Okay. I'll chime in as uh, the opportunity arises. All right, well, uh, we're here today to talk about another erotic film. Another fine erotic film. Yes, indeed. From the mid-80s, what do we got? We've got 1985's Too Naughty to Say No. Okay. Directed by Humphrey Knipe uh, as Victor Nye. Yeah. Uh, this is the husband of Suze Randall. Okay. Uh, who uh, produced it? Produced it. Yes. Is known as an erotic photographer, and uh, they made a few films. Uh, but this was one of them. Okay. We've got a pretty solid cast in tow this week. Yeah, we do. There's a little bit of everybody. There is. So we have Ginger Lynn as Catherine. <laughs> We, we have ha- Ginger Lynn. Yeah, we have Ginger Lynn as Catherine. We have uh, Angel as Betty. Uh, is this her debut? I don't believe this is her... I feel like there was someone accredited us all that was introducing, but who cares? It did. I think it did say introducing Angel, but this film came out in 85, and her first film, she had... One thing come out in 83, you know, several things come out in 84. So, I don't know. It's just one of those marketing tricks. This might be her first starring role, though. Okay, I'll take that. Because she's more or less the lead in this film. She is. and She is the lead. She this, is the lead. Not yeah. more or less. She's Betty. She is Betty. Uh, we also have uh, Lisa DeLeo. Yep, she's back again, second week in a row. Playing dual ro- roles as Sister Rose and Madam Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Jamie Gillis as the Sex Maniac. Yeah, we got uh, Harry Reams as the Undertaker. Ah, uh, yes. Um, we got some others. Eric Edwards is in here. Yep. Bunny Blue, who I believe was in Pulsating Flesh, is in here. She was. Uh, one of the women is Raven. Who I believe was in ECW in the mid-90s. She was in Teen Titans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of names behind this production. A lot of mid-card star power. (laughs) This is supposed to be a very, very loose adaptation of the Marquis de Sade's Justine. Okay. And my knowledge of the Marquis de Sade's Justine is just from a Jess Franco film. Which is probably pretty loose. Which is probably pretty loose in its own sense. Um, I've read The 120 Days of Sodom uh-huh. before. Uh, a lot of child rape. Which uh, yeah. I'm really glad they don't carry over most <laughs> of the time. Except for Solo. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he wrote it while he was imprisoned in the Bastille or something like that. And... Uh, he only wrote like a quarter of it, like the rest of it's just like a draft of like titles and <laughs> stuff. So after it was a pretty quick read. Once I got past a certain point, oh yeah, yeah, um, everyone just dot gets murdered at the end. Pretty depressing stuff. Not very sexy. Um, <laughs> hopefully, Justine, as we hopefully even a very loose adaptation of Justine, will involve um, considerably less pedophilia. Uh, well, I will say that in uh, Jess Franco's adaptation, I don't think there was pedophilia. Excellent. Um, there was Klaus Kinski uh, in jail as the Marquis de Sade, and I guess he's supposed to be in the Bastille. 
as a political as, prisoner for writing all this filth. Right. Uh, but his only role in the film is to just like be there in cutaways in the jail looking weird. And that was basically it. Klaus Kinski, though, accused pedophile. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. That's a good point. The, the day I broke the news to you that he had apparently like molested his daughter, you were so sad. Yeah. I can understand, though. You want him to be a good guy just because he looks so weird. You don't, want yeah. him to, you don't want him to play to his type too much. I like several films that he's been in, and that makes me feel weird. Like, I want him to... Like, if he was just a dickhead, I'd be okay with that. <clears throat> but if he's, like, serial raping family members and stuff, that's a little bit much. Yeah, he went... Uh, minor family members. He went too far, Klaus. Yeah. Come on, Klaus. Get it together. I think he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Thank God. Okay. But what about uh, Angel? She's still very much alive. Uh, I think so. She had a very short career. Well, not very short. She had a career, I believe it was like four years, though. About the average, probably. She was originally active from 83 (laughs) to about 88. And then she had a couple movies come out in 89, which were probably shot in 88. And then I believe she came out of retirement and did a couple more movies in the early 90s and then stopped. And I don't think anybody knows where she is now. Check the find a grave site. <laughs> See if she's still alive. Yeah, very loosely based on the works of the Marquis de Sade, The yeah. Life of Angel. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's about all I have. Excellent. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun ride, a lot of depravity, and, uh, we'll be able to get into all of that. Uh, we want to remind you guys to follow us on social media at Raincoat Report on Instagram and Twitter. Um, by the way, what happened with our Instagram where uh, they thought we were, like, human trafficking or something. Oh, uh, I got a post pulled that I posted back in, fuck, probably July or early August, whenever the episode for Pretty Peaches came, or no, for uh, Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls came out. Oh, yeah. So probably, like, mid-July. So it had been up for about eight months before they changed, uh, I guess they changed, like, their policies on Instagram pretty recently. Right. They shuffled all the buttons around. The button I used to click to check to see if anyone liked us was just a button to spend money now. Oh, yeah. Um, but if I think I uh, just made like a little like meme type thing and I used the word buy somewhere in the post where there was also a naked woman. Oh, yeah. So we got pulled for uh, sexual solicitation. <laughs> um, there's no way to dispute that one to get it back either. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's gone. It's lost to the mists of time. I'd, I sent you that message where I'd made 69 posts because it was funny, and then like an hour later I checked, and there were only 68. <laughs> so it was short-lived. Most of the stuff, though, uh, if you get a human to look, get a human to get some eyes on it, they'll bring it back. I feel like <laughs> we're just... It's just a matter of time before we lose our Instagram forever. We're really towing the line, and I'm <laughs> trying my best to figure out what does and doesn't work. But apparently, like, butts are becoming taboo now, so... I thought that butts were the primary reason for Instagram. They don't know what they're doing over there. They sold it to Facebook, and now they're, they're, just, they're losing their way. They really are. I can only hope God comes into their hearts and... Um, restores uh order to their souls uh yes they probably need to go to some sort of weird catholic school like uh preach they need to look into their hearts and search for the teacher they really do if everyone was really just a if everyone would just join the uh the faith of the teacher all of our social media problems would be gone that's true. They would understand why I need to post a man's ass and all these things. That's true. 
I haven't eaten anything today, and I've had a few beers. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, perfectly all right. On with the show. On with the show. <laughs> also, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whoever you get your podcast through. Stitcher. Stitcher. Uh, SoundCloud. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think we're up on SoundCloud, actually. They don't have enough rap. Uh, Amazon Music. Amazon Music we're up on. Really? Uh, yeah. Huh. Spotify. Thanks, Jeff Bezos, for getting the word out. He's helping us spread the word of the teacher. That's important. I'm going to try to get him on the horn and get him over to one of the meetings we have here in your living room. Um faith meetings i'll say about the teacher yes uh, wednesday night uh gatherings <laughs> they're magical and we'll it's a have, magical gathering we'll have uh jeff bezos do an episode with us where we talk about a harry reams film yes and then i'm gonna break open his head like an egg <laughs> <laughs> all right with that we'll go ahead and take a break here and we'll be back to talk a little bit more in depth about too naughty to say no okay here we are kitties the inner sanctum the holy of holies and you want to see a porno film i got them all everything from abominations and black leather to zombies in lust how <laughs> the hell with it come on let's just get ready huh that's a baby oh, i like this terrific she's shy yeah, i like it honey Stay shy, baby. You just stay. Yeah, sit down. No, it's okay. It's terrific. I like your friend. That's the baby one to watch, huh? You drowsy, boss? Uh, not as drowsy as I'm going to be when I drink this beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was this guy was our mascot. He has boobs for eyes and a dick for a nose. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Also, drew this Frankenstein. This is just a normal Bart Simpson, but I jazzed him up a bit. This is the first Raincoat Report comic book. I love it. Yeah. One lucky uh, listener will be able to win it. Excellent. Yeah. Perverts, give us your address. Yeah, if you'd like to get a copy of the Raincoat Report comic book that will uh, soon be finished. We'll delight and amuse. <laughs> oh. uh, just send Jeremy your address and... Yeah. Uh, Maybe some money, too. Yeah, send me $15 and your address. And, um... That's it. Send me $15. Yep. You don't get anything in return. Nope. (laughs) No. No, no, no. Um, okay. Did you have any trouble watching this film with your uh, parents in the house? Uh... I tried to avoid trouble by putting it on like around midnight, the triple X hour. <laughs> uh, we have about a thousand pets. Oh yeah. And I was, I just closed my door and they were all at the door wanting in. So at some point my mom started just banging on the door demanding that I let the pets inside. <laughs> but uh, I steadfastly refused to held my ground. I was like, ma go away. <laughs> and, uh, that was all the trouble I had. The rest of the trouble that I had watching this film was uh, making sense of the plot. All right. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Well, Too Naughty to Say No opens with uh, credits. We get these uh, red and blue title cards, uh, blue text and red borders around them, kind of like a, kind of frames that you would see in inner titles in silent films. Yeah. Very classical design. Uh, but with fancy colors. Of course. When the credits end, we see two schoolgirls and a nun, that being Sister Rose. The two girls are Betty, played by Angel, and Catherine, or Kathy, played by Ginger Lynn. Sister Rose tells Catherine it's time for her confession. Uh, She makes note that it's with Father John, and he's apparently the best at giving confession to or something. She really talks him up. Yeah. Betty is reading from the Bible, 
uh, in the part where it talks about things being begat. Uh, but she doesn't know what begat means. Yeah. Uh, as she's thinking about what begat means, she falls asleep. Mm-hmm. As we often do. Uh, and then she wakes up and hears somebody clomping around. She looks and it's Kathy, her friend Catherine, but she's dressed up in much more casual clothes than her Catholic schoolgirl uniform from yeah. this film. Right. That apparently includes a hat amongst other things. Uh-huh. But Kathy is dressed up in like a, I think she's got like a pink dress or something it's red but red? whatever yeah okay. it's a yeah. short little dress uh and like some big old like perhaps high heel boots uh-huh. i didn't get a good look at them but anyway she's in her full slut outfit right <laughs> and so betty chases after her and kathy marches to jamie gillis in a convertible yes jamie gillis in this film plays a role called the sex maniac and it's basically autobiographical yeah this i was is, thinking a lot of when you said he would just yell down at women from his apartment yeah there's a lot of kind of what this scene is yeah i imagine <clears throat> that this is just like a normal day in jamie gillis's life yeah and i could see where they ended up being where jamie gillis lives so <laughs> jamie as the sex maniac, uh, invites Betty to come along to party. You know, he asks her if she likes to party and invites her over. Yeah. Uh, Kathy, of course, has already jumped into the Corvette. So uh, Betty joins them, and they show up at Jamie Gillis's uh, sex maniac bachelor pad. There's dildos all over the place. Mm-hmm. The sex maniac himself is wearing uh, snakeskin pants. Yes, and a leather bandana with studs in it. Yes, which yeah. uh, he keeps on for the remainder of this scene. I would like one. Yeah, I'm going to get you one for Christmas, maybe. Thank you. That'd be that pretty would, cool. Yeah, that would be lovely. Uh, I'm not going to promise it, because I don't know how yeah. to get one. <laughs> I think you you'll, you got the internet. You'll figure it out. The sex maniac says to the girls, do you want to see a porno film? I've got everything. Yeah. Um, and he names abominations and black leather and zombies and lust. Uh, yes. <laughs> Are these real films? Uh, I don't know. I assume, I don't mm, know. It, they're probably not, but, uh. It sounds like they're not, but at the same time, everything can be a porno film. I'm going to do a little sleuthing while you, uh, explain the plot. Oh, I don't know what the plot is. Oh, okay. Well. Explain the sex then. Okay, I'll I'll do that. So, the sex maniac is talking to Betty, asking her if she's ever seen this before to various activities that he starts doing with Kathy. Uh, Betty is watching this, but she's kind of turning her head slightly away, but still kind of has her eyes out of the corner, just kind of peeking at what's happening. She's very shy and bashful. But, uh... The sex maniac is having his way with Kathy. Jamie starts uh, eating Kathy's ass and starts talking about fingering her ass while Betty's kind of peeking through her fingers at him. He asks Betty to take her jacket off and finally she does. He says, do you want to see your friend suck cock? He pulls his cock out of his snakeskin pants uh, and Catherine starts blowing him. Uh, then he turns her around and starts fucking her as the sex maniac keeps talking to Betty. Uh, he tells her to take her hat off and then talks her into spreading her legs a little bit and finally pulling her dress up so that he can see her vagina. Oh, oh my. <laughs> um, I did some research. Okay. There's, there's no abominations in black leather. Oh, all right. Unfortunately. Um, the closest there is to zombies and lust is uh, 2012's Rape Zombie, Lust of the Dead. Oh, okay. Well, we'll have to get around to that one since it's one of <laughs> Jamie's favorites. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yes. He talked about it years before it was made. Yeah, he was always ahead of the curve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The sex maniac and Kathy are 69ing as Betty takes her shirt off. Uh, and then the sex maniac starts fucking Kathy Missionary as Betty's playing with her boobs and watching. 
Uh, again, the sex maniac keeps his leather bandana scarf around his neck. He starts fucking Catherine doggy style a bit, and then he eats her ass and fingers her ass. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, he does like a, a real masterful technique. He's, he's an expert. Yeah. I feel like I was watching like an instructional video. Yeah, I feel like in the grand scheme of things, I feel like I'm really good at sex in a general sense. Uh-huh. But like, I'm not even on the Jamie Gillis scale. No. He's he's playing checkers and we're playing chess. No. No. He's playing chess and we're playing checkers. Yes. You got it. <laughs> oh, these beers. <laughs> All right. We see as Jamie uh, is continuing to fuck her, Kathy starts to fuck Betty with a dildo a little bit. It's at this point that I realized how much the music just keeps looping over and over again. Oh yeah, there's like one or two pieces of music through the whole film that are just used in every sex scene. It was something I was going to talk about in a little bit, but yeah. Uh, Yeah, so yeah, there are two original pieces in this film, which might be reused from other stuff anyway, but uh, that are used repeatedly. Uh, There's one more classical piece that I remember at one point in the film. Oh yeah, they use uh, Ride of the Valkyries at one point. Yeah, Flight of the Valkyries. They fly, they ride, you know, whatever. Yeah. They get around. They use it briefly, but... Otherwise, it's this weird guitar song and another one that they use just repeatedly through the film. Yeah, it's got the kind of like a melancholy like synth jam. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, um, I don't mind hearing. It. I mean, it's better than some of the music we've heard. Betty keeps masturbating as uh, the sex maniac continues to just plow Kathy. Uh, he finally pulls out and comes on her ass and back before pushing back into her. He then rolls off of her and onto the bed and puts a boob pacifier in his mouth. Yeah. It's like a pacifier, but instead of just having the one, like, plastic nipple nipple on the end, it's got a set of little boobs. Yeah, he got it from Spencer's gifts. (laughs) But uh, he just puts it in his mouth and starts sucking on it. And I could imagine that being a Jamie Gillis thing. <laughs> yeah. This whole, like I said, this whole thing feels very autobiographical. Yeah. Um, it is a great like sex scene, though. Uh, everyone ends very sweaty and soaked in cum. Yeah, it was a really rock-solid scene. Yeah. Definitely a standout uh, sequence in the film. Yeah. Kathy tells Betty that if she's looking for excitement, she needs to introduce her to Madame Rose. Hmm. So, we see Kathy introduce Betty to Madame Rose, who is the same person as Sister Rose, that being Lisa DeLeo. But because Betty is sleeping, uh, she has these alter egos for all the people in her life. Right. We see the more uh, slut-tacular version of Kathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're seeing Sister Rose, Madame Rose, her dream version is running a brothel, it seems. Yes, yes. Uh, so she asked Betty if she wants to stay. Betty says, if you'll have me. And Madame Rose says she just might. Yes. Madame Rose also uh, like introduces herself to Betty by pulling up like her skirt and looking at her ass and going, charming, perfectly charming. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, that's how business works. Yeah. So it's all conducted. Especially as you see more and more about the business she's doing here. So we see Rose and Betty go into another room, uh, and Betty's changing. Rose tells Betty that it will be a while until she's on, whatever that entails. So Rose is going to spend some time broadening her horizons. She points to a peephole in the wall. And in the other room is Mr. Love auditioning a new recruit. So Mr. Love is uh, played by Rufus Jefferson. And uh, so he's fucking a girl in the other room. He is playing like a stereotypical pimp. Yes. They watch as he's fucking this girl in the other room doggy style. Uh, Betty asks if Mr. Love's going to audition her, too, and Rose says she has other plans for her. 
As I was watching this, my girlfriend looked over and noted that Mr. Love has very flappy balls as he's fucking this girl. <laughs> yeah. They're they're uh, they're hanging a bit, and because of that, as he's uh, you know, got that. I just got a little bounce going to him. Yeah. Yeah. The girl that uh, Mr. Love is fucking has this like pink mohawk thing going on on her head. Yes. So Lois, I Ayers, Lois Ayers, I believe, okay. plays her. I look try to see who she was. Uh, he goes at her for a while, and then he eventually pulls out and comes on her tits mm-hmm. and uh, her side. Uh, after saying, lick my cum, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Rose tells Betty that she's going to show her something else, so she has her look through another peephole. They look into another room and see another girl who's uh, getting the old spit roast, as they say. By two muscular guys in leather masks and harnesses as Flight of the Valkyries plays. Yeah. It's a tag team champs hawking animal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it's really going at this girl. Yeah, they're really letting her have it, taking care of her holes. We see Betty watching and we cut back to the girl uh, and she's getting fucked in the ass and the guy pulls out and comes on her ass. And we see the other guy fucking her, and then he pulls out and comes on her pubes. As Betty's watching, Rose feels Betty's crotch and says, nice and wet. She says it's time for Betty's initiation. So Rose leads Betty into another room, (laughs) and then we get a very bizarre sequence of events here. So in this other room, we have Colonel Weiss played by Klaus Mueller, uh-huh. who apparently is a Nazi soldier. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh, we have the senator, played by Eric Edwards. Right. We have Bishop John, who is the same person as Father John, who was briefly shown at the beginning of the film. Right. Uh, this is played by Milton Ingley. And we have Stephen Swinstein, uh, the uh, big shot director. Yeah. Uh, played by Edward Longley. Okay. Angel is led into this room on a leash by Madame Rose, mm-hmm. and she's introduced to this cast of characters, um, and they are interested in Betty and start to make bids on her. Madame Rose tells them that she's worth more than they've been bidding, and she tells Betty to show herself to them. So then we get some music start playing, and she slowly undresses. But as she's undressing and kind of just spinning around, uh, she ultimately ends up in, like, this white sheer thong and this white sheer cape and just kind of twirling around to the music. To the music while everyone orgies about her. Right. So we see the people in the room having all kinds of sex while this is going on. Yeah. There's some good stuff in there. The priest is like eating uh, like uh, hard-boiled eggs off a girl's back. Yeah, there is a there is, and I think it's a little bit into the scene, but like we see this uh, girl who's on all fours with a silver tray on her back. That's yeah. it's set up with hors d'oeuvres, and uh, it's like even got like maybe some like like lettuce garnish and stuff yeah. under. And then it's got all these hard-boiled uh, eggs on it. Deviled eggs, I think. Yes, that's what they call uh, them. Cut in half and filled with yellow goo. <laughs> the egg goo. The egg goo. Uh, but he's just eating these uh, deviled eggs off this girl's back while in all of this depravity. Yeah. Uh, Swineberg starts mouth-fucking and fingering Swinstein. a bog. Oh, it's Swinstein. You anti-Semite. He had a real weird-looking dick, right? It just looked like a huge loofah that this girl was just shoving into her mouth. Yeah. It was very unsettling to me. I didn't like when they cut to him. So yeah, Swinstein is mouth-fucking and fingering abroad. Bishop John and the senator are both getting blown. The senator's getting blown by two women. One appears to be Kathy, Mm. and the other one is a woman with, like, an owl mask. Yeah. Yes, it's an owl mask. Uh, Rose, Madame Rose is riding Colonel Vice Cowgirl as another girl holds his balls and sucks on Rose's tits. Yeah. He does like this like power move where he like 
gropes one of her boobs with like both hands and just kind of crushes it. Yeah. Yeah. She's got her big old titties, as yeah. Lisa DeLeo does. So she he does. Just, he, he's got both hands around it because it's a real double handful, yeah. just one boob even. And he's just really just putting uh, the pressure on. Yeah. Rose finally asks the room what they think. Uh, and the senator says, what the fuck? It's only taxpayers' money. <laughs> 7000 Bishop John bids 8000 as he shoots his load all over his pants as the girl finishes him off. Um, the senator pulls out and comes on Kathy's pubes, bidding $9,000. And Colonel Vice gets finished off and bids $10,000. It's announced that Betty is to be delivered to the colonel the next night. But none of that really matters because we see Betty climbing down a sheet rope out of the building and escaping. Yes. She's still in her white transparent cape and her white transparent thong. Right. And so she starts running down the street and then we see Mr. Love chasing after her on roller skates. (laughs) (sighs) I think he just uses those to like he's like the muscle around the place he just like right. straps those on when anyone escapes and so he can like gain on them real quick yeah i guess so it didn't that's, really work here no but that might all be in a hallucination that's true we don't know we'll we'll get back to that yes. in a minute how are you a roller skating um i've never owned roller skates uh i once i think i once went to champs and i could barely move around because i'm not capable of anything physical basically no yeah uh, my mom signed us up for uh, me and my brother up for uh, like roller skating lessons at champs which a lot of that was just like i don't know roller skating to the macarena (laughs) a lot but i don't remember a lot of it because i would fall constantly and hit my head on the (laughs) roller rink floor oh shit so um no i can't roller skate either (laughs) um at one point i was getting ice skating lessons Oh, wow. And I was incredibly bad at it. I can see that. <laughs> uh, I never progressed past a certain point, which is to say that I never <laughs> like learned to ice skate, basically. Yeah, you never bring it up, so I figured you couldn't. Yeah. Um, um. <laughs> I did play uh, the arcade game Virtual on at the arcade that was at the ice rink, so that was cool. Yeah, I played a lot of uh, Rampage, like the original one. They had that one at the roller rink, so I would play a lot of Rampage, and I would be like, this one's a girl, and when she dies, she's kind of a naked lady for a second. (laughs) I was like, that's pretty cool. And look where you are today. Look where that's gotten you. Right where I want to be. It's gotten you too naughty to say no. Yeah, I can't say no to anything or anyone. (laughs) <laughs> like uh jim carrey and mr no-no <laughs> what the fuck was the name of that movie mr no-no no no Wh- which movie it wasn't liar liar it was the other one where he couldn't say no was he like oh i don't know first almighty no is it yes man is yeah. that a thing is yes that man it... it is yes man i don't think i've ever seen that no who would i already <laughs> saw liar liar uh, so yeah mr love is chasing after her on roller skates and yelling about how she's been sold but she ends up running into the police who are pulling up in a regular car with a single light and apparently a siren mm-hmm Uh, She tries to explain to the cops that she was being chased, but they don't see Mr. Love anymore. He bailed. Yeah. She recounts her story, and they don't seem to believe her, but they say they're going to take her downtown. Uh, We get a smash cut from that (laughs) to Betty naked in this room with the two cops who are undressing. They're not cops. Uh, Well, the in quotation marks cops. Yes. Uh, who throw her down onto the bed. She says that she's been telling the truth, but they fuck her. (laughs) So, she's blowing the blonde cop while the uh, balding, dark-haired cop (laughs) goes down on her. Yeah, he's in really good shape. 
He really is. He's also very sweaty at the end of this. Yes. And very hairy. There's a lot of sweaty sex in this film. Yeah, that's not a bad thing, necessarily. Yeah. There are moments in films where that's amusing. Yeah. And I don't know that that was the case here, but it can be. There's just Yeah, there's just a lot of sweat sometimes, and I just like to make a note of it. Yeah, it's good to know. Uh, it makes it feel a little bit more real. Yeah. Because sometimes you just get really sweaty when you're fucking. You do. Uh, it makes me think they were filming in a poorly ventilated area. That's probably the case, yeah. Definitely not as in a good shape as this cop. No, not at all, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Uh, there is a shelf behind the bed that has a dartboard on it. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was weird, because I feel like if you have a dartboard, you should just have it on a wall so you can use it. I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's um, a decorative item. Uh, anyhow, they roll her over, and the balding guy starts to fuck her doggy style while she blows the other dude. Uh, she gets rolled over a bit again, and the balding guy starts to fuck her more while the other guy's jerking off by her head. The guy fucking her folds her legs up and to like almost like a crisscross applesauce sort of way, yeah. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Kind of just sideways. And he keeps fucking her like that. And she starts blowing the other guy a bit. They finally switch spots. Uh, and uh, once she's blowing the dark-haired guy, the dark-haired balding guy, he tells her, suck that juicy dick. Yeah. He says, you gotta suck it some more. You gotta make it pop. Yeah. He said, and then when he's about to finish, he says, it's gonna pop. <laughs> So she jerks him off and finishes him. Uh, at this point, he's super sweaty. Uh, the other guy keeps fucking her doggy style, and then he pulls out and comes on her ass. And they say, okay, kid, you can go now. Yeah. So she leaves, and she's still wearing her white sheer cape and her white sheer thong. Yes. As she's walking, a guy in a black jacket and a hat shows up and flashes her. Uh, she starts to run away from him, and he chases her directly into his lair, I guess? <laughs> yeah, that's what it seems like. Uh, it's almost like a crypt or something? Yeah, something's... I'm not really sure. It's like a basement that's been converted to a crypt. There's like a weird devil head on the wall. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, I don't know. It looks like a weird like animal skin, but it's like a devil's head. Right. It's really perplexing. There's a lot of candles in here. Yeah. So it's got an overall Satanist thing going yeah, on. Yeah, he's definitely a Satanist and a flasher. You were telling me that you wanted a lair of your own. Yeah, I would like this lair. I would like to turn my room now, which is more of a dump, into a lair. So if you can see any goat heads or anything you can get for like my walls, that would be a good Christmas gift. Yeah. Yeah. If you uh, want to send us raincoat report Christmas gifts... Oh, yeah. uh, just let us know in our Gmail, raincoatreport at gmail.com. Yeah, send us gifts. Send us goats. We need to create an Amazon gift list. I don't oh. know if they sell goat heads on Amazon, but... Oh, uh, well, they got everything on there. I guess that's true. That's why we're doing this advertisement for Amazon. Yeah, thanks Jeff Bezos. <laughs> this thing right here is from Amazon. I'm looking at, what is it, an Alexa? Yeah, it's a Echo, Echo Dot. Dot. I found it. Alexa, play today's top hits. Okay, let's get back to the movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, but his lair also has a large bed. Uh, so as she's running away and running into the lair, she jumps onto the bed to hide, although she's in plain sight. So uh, the next thing you know, she's blowing the weird flasher guy. Yeah. Um, it's not like this could have turned into like a weird rape scene, but she's really into it. So Yeah. <laughs> Um, he eventually rolls her onto her back and starts to fuck her. And after a while, he rolls her back over into doggy style. Uh, I'm pretty sure at this point, this is when I realized that this film had like three music loops, period. <laughs> um, I started to suspect things a little earlier than you, I think. But yeah. Yeah. Um, He's wearing these, like, half-red, half-white socks and sneakers while he continues to fuck her. I think those socks used to be popular. Yeah? I feel like those were something I've seen before. Perhaps, yeah. My dad had some. 
Oh, yeah. Well, he was a Satanist, though. I don't know. What, your dad was a Satanist? He could have been if he was wearing these socks. Yeah, those are probably devil socks. Yeah. Um, when I go home later, I'll dig through his closet and let you know what I find. <laughs> You're going to find a dildo you didn't want to find? Well, probably. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> we'll see. Well, we'll find out what's in your dad's closet on the next episode. Look forward to that. I will forget to ask and you'll forget to look. Oh, I won't. (laughs) Eventually, the flasher pulls out and comes on her pubes and her boobs. And then we get this weird flash of a bunch of different cuts of the things that happened to Betty up to this point. And then we see Betty in a coffin. It's at this point that the Undertaker walks in. Not the Mark Calloway pro wrestling character, the Undertaker. No. In this case, it's actually the teacher, Harry Reams. Yes, and his um, Undertaker incarnation. Yes. Yeah. Praise the teacher. Praise the teacher. But I'm not sure about this incarnation of the teacher. Yeah? He's a... He's a dark figure. He is a dark figure, but the teacher is also a very complex figure with many facets. I think and there's something to learn about all of his facets. Yes, that's what I wrote. That, he, um, I wrote, nonetheless, he is sacred to us. <laughs> that's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> one, one must understand that when you worship the teacher, you worship his many faces. Yeah. You worship the milkman. Yeah, you worship the milkman. You worship the undertaker. Yeah. You worship the guy from Altar of Lust. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You worship the doctor. Who's the doctor? The doctor from Deep Throat. Oh, yeah, from Deep Throat. Yes, yes, indeed. Did he have a name in that? Was he just the doctor? He had a name, I'm pretty sure. Was he just Harry? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. We need to wrap this up. <laughs> We're falling apart. I'm pretty sure <clears throat> that he had a name in the film, and it was recent enough that I feel like I should remember it. He's Dr. Young. That's his name in Deep Throat. All right. We praise Dr. Young. Okay. We praise the Milkman. You already said that. Well, I can praise him twice. Okay. We praise... The Undertaker. The Undertaker. All right. Well, let's get back to The Undertaker. The Undertaker, praise be to him, walks into the room. He says that he's happy to see her. Uh, Again, she is in the coffin, not moving. She is dead. dead. Yeah, she is dead. He says that she's gone, but not too far gone for him. He reaches in and feels her crotch and says she's still wet from her last fuck. Nice and slippery for him. Just for me. (laughs) <laughs> yes, he is playing a weird, uh, as you noted, snidely whiplash type character. Yes, he is. <laughs> he is very amusing yeah, here. Yeah, he's got like a top hat and like a tux on and his big mustache. Right. He is really amusing and I really uh, did enjoy his turn as the Undertaker. He pulls her out of the coffin and sits her up in this chair. It's like a, a long kind of chase chair. but Chase like, lounge. Yeah, but like it has kind of a wall at the end of the footstool part of it as well it's interesting looking Mm -hmm. perhaps it's common in a funeral home Uh, perhaps perhaps he tells the corpse that he's her prince charming yes he pulls his cock out and puts it into her mouth and starts to fuck it cock through his pants of course Mm -hmm. Uh, he undresses as this is going on And he says she's better than some of the living that he knows. Uh, So he finally fully undresses. Uh, He's being really creepy throughout this whole thing, uh, as the situation should tell you. He pulls her panties off and starts to go down on her. And as he's doing it, she starts to respond. You're warming up for me now. Miraculous what a little sex can do. Yeah. So this is... (laughs) really one of the miracles of the teacher yes um, that is recorded in our scripture <laughs> yes. how he returned life to uh the dead indeed yes 
Um, <clears throat> After three days, she rose from the dead due to the the power of the, the power of his no. or uh, <laughs> the power of his cunnilingus. Yeah, um, and we preach that, but he alone has the power over life and death. Yes. <laughs> uh, praise the teacher. Yes. He finishes undressing her. Uh, as they're going, there's some cuts to these weird angel statues in the room. Uh, he starts fucking her doggy style, noting how tight she is. Uh, which is the second time in the film that's been noted. Yes. She's unreasonably tight. <laughs> he rolls her over and pins her legs up to fuck her missionary nice and hard and deep. He pulls out and she blows him. He says, here's something you can take to heaven with you, baby. <laughs> and he pulls out of her mouth and comes all over her and then laughs. Um, this is the moment that uh, reminded me of me living with a bunch of people uh, in my college years, uh -huh. so to speak. Yeah. How my roommate used to laugh all the time after sex. <laughs> Uh, but it's at this point that we see Betty waking up in a pile of trash, yes. as we all have at one point or another. So she's in a dream already. But she was in a dream within a dream. She was in a dream. But where did the second dream start? I don't know. We don't know. But nevertheless, she awakes in trash. You're not going to find it in your notes. Right. It was never indicated. Don't <laughs> go look into those, uh, schoolboy. <laughs> She's awakened by a woman in a black hat who's who is uh, credited as the helpful motorist, played by Cody Nicole. Betty tells her story to the helpful motorist. This is the second time in the movie that she recaps what we just saw. Right. <laughs> as the motorist is driving her down the road. But uh, she pulls over and says that they're going to get to know each other. She tells Betty to lock her door. And it's at this point that we start to see these dudes surrounding the car watching. Mm -hmm. The helpful motorist tells Betty to lay her seat back and she starts to kiss all over Betty. Betty says that she's never done this before. But the motorist says that she knows what to do. So the guys watching outside the window are leering on as the women start to touch all over each other yeah and the motorist starts to go down on betty one of the dudes outside the car is wearing a black shirt that says hollywood on it <laughs> uh and then we see him bottomless at this point climbing onto the hood of the car and jacking off the motorist is going down on betty and betty is holding her breasts and rubbing them uh, we see another dude outside the car in sunglasses, and he stands up as he was peering through the window. He stands up and reveals his cock is out, and he's stroking it. Uh, the motorist lays back, and Betty kisses all over her. Uh, one of the guys smears his dick all over one of the windows. Yeah. He's just rubbing it all over it. Yeah. Uh, the girl's 69 for a bit as the guys are stroking. Uh at one point, I believe the motorist licks Betty's heel, like high-heeled shoe. Oh, yeah? Yes. That happens uh, <laughs> once or twice. She's just like... Uh, <laughs> uh, finally, as the girls are getting off, we see the guys start to shoot their loads all over the windows and the windshield. Uh, one guy, after he shot his load, smashed his junk against the window, smearing his load around. Who do you think had to clean all the loads off these windows? I imagine <clears throat> that they just returned them to the car rental company just like filthy. that. Yeah. yeah. Gross. They just bought the it. insurance, so they don't have yeah. to worry about cleaning it. Just take it back to Avis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, this is covered in loads. <laughs> I yeah. know a load when I see it. Yeah, but we got the insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh, damn it, you got us this time. Yeah, if you get the insurance, you can do whatever you want to those cars. <laughs> Finally, after she's done with all of this sex, Betty collapses, falling asleep on the motorist. And then we see her waking up. But she is waking up where she was at the beginning of the film when she fell asleep at the... Uh, at the Catholic school or whatever this yeah, is. Yeah, the Catholic school. Or the nunnery. It's a nunnery. 
I don't know. I think it's a Catholic school. Uh, if it's a nunnery, then this falls in the nunsploitation genre. But I don't think it really is. No. Good try. <laughs> <laughs> Betty says that she was meditating on what begat means uh, to Kathy. And Kathy asks what it means, and she says she'll save that for her confession. And then she smiles at the camera, and then we go straight to credits. And that was too naughty to say no. Yes. Once, right. again, once again, though, music by the Kingfish, yeah. performed by Kings of the Mystic Sea. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know anything about them, but I love their name. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. They, re- um, they recorded like 10 minutes of music that got looped for 80 minutes. Oh, and produced by the Baron. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the Baron. Yeah, the classic um, producer of records. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back to give our review of Too Naughty to Say No. Betty, show them yourself. fingernails fell out because of all this cancer I have. I can't get it off. I don't have any cancer. I don't know how I might. I can't afford to go to a doctor. <laughs> well, uh, let's hope not. Okay, let's just pray. That works Praise well. the teacher. Yeah, oh yeah. I do have my faith in the teacher to fall back on. Yeah, if all else fails, I'll praise turn, the teacher. I'll turn to him. You want us to talk about this movie some more? Uh, yeah, why don't you take it away, Jeremy, with your expert film review. Okay. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to uh, another exciting review uh, on the Raincoat Report by me, Jeremy, the Raincoat Reportsman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've got here uh, 1985's Too Naughty to Say No, and this film is... I'm going to compare it a lot to last week's film, uh, The Sorority Sweethearts. All right. I think it has maybe sort of the opposite problem of that is that there's kind of too much story that never gets developed in any kind of way. Yeah, I can um, see that. But I guess this once again has the uh, quote unquote advantage of being like a film that's a dream. So you can just kind of string together as much nonsense as you want. Yeah. But I'd say I'd, um, I generally like all the film's ideas, um, even if they're not really well-developed. The little vignettes that you do get are pretty nice. Like, uh, it's good to see uh, Harry Reams do, like, a late career uh, kind of show up as The Undertaker. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is really towards the end of his run. Yeah. Um, and I liked Eric Edwards and the couple other people. That orgy scene was really nice. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, the sex maniac, Jamie Gillis. Just beautiful. Just beautiful, lovely uh, pornographic scenes. Um, but once again, like the connective tissue that kind of holds the narrative together is pretty weak. Yeah. And I will say, this one, I think the cinematography and the kind of the general level of technical competence was maybe a little bit lower. Like you saw like more camera shaking and... Uh, Things like that, which aren't necessarily bad, but uh, not quite, I guess, as highly polished a production as some of the other films we've seen. But um, right. altogether, the stars, uh, Angel is Betty, and then the various male companions and female companions she ends up with are uh, all pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, there's not really a bad scene in it. Like, I didn't... I got kind of bored during sorority sweethearts and this you don't really get time to because it keeps kind of moving along yeah. so quickly. Um, which I think gives it just a little bit more of an edge. So with this one, I'm going to give it a nice three. All right. I'm going to give it a sweet three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree. 
uh, down to the rating. I think that really the thing that's uh, suffering here is that connective tissue, as you said. Like, it has several scenarios in it, mm-hmm. and the scenarios themselves and the sex contained therein are good. Right. But all of it is just kind of weakly lumped together. It's more like just a sequence of scenes than an actual comprehensive film yeah, put together. Right, which I think is ultimately why it says it, it says it's based on characters by the Marquis de Sade rather than like any particular story. Right. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's linked basically to Justine yeah. and like Justine, at least by the Jess Franco interpretation, Mm -hmm. which uh, may be a bit loose, uh, is about a girl who tries to go through the world being moral and uh, following the rules of society and all of that and ends up getting completely uh, humiliated and dehumanized along the way. Uh, Whereas her, I believe it was her sister... Yeah, uh, is She's... just go straight to being a whore and is having a great time. Uh, so I think that that is uh, trying to uh, tell some sort of Marquis de Sade lesson. Yeah, uh, in the way that only Mark himself could do. <laughs> I'm gonna start a musical project called Marquis Mark in the Funky Bunch. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I'll be your funky bunch. Excellent. I'll be in there. I'll be hanging along like a little shriveled grape. (laughs) You are the funkiest bunch in town. Thank you. (laughs) But I do like the sex scenes in the film. The one with Jamie Gillis is great. Uh, I think that they did a good job of just doing different types of depravity in each scene. And it really kind of makes each scene exciting like you said there's no way to really get bored throughout the film because they just keep going to the next depraved act and i think that they do a good job of switching it up we had a we had a necrophilia scene we had a satanist we had a satanist who was a flasher oh yeah he was two things yeah he was two (laughs) things we had the orgy scene uh we had the weird Jamie Gillis scene uh, with all the the dirty talk and the boob nipple and the dildos around the room and yeah. him just being a, a sleaze dog who I imagine is pretty true to his life. Yeah, that was all hidden cameras. Yeah, that was just him on a normal day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And like uh, the the scene with the motorists, where all the guys are shooting their loads on the windows. Oh, like I mean, that. That was that was pretty surreal. It kind of reminded me of maybe like something from like Corruption or something. Yeah, it's kind of it has kind of a weird darkness to it because it yeah. looks like just like the grimiest part of life. That, right. Yeah. That's believable. Corruption kind of uh, jumps believability at certain points, but oh, for sure, it does a good job of. Uh, Kind of showing that griminess of New York City. Yeah. So this film does a lot of great stuff, but it just kind of fails to gel together in a certain way. It's, I would agree with that, yes. And like, if that connective tissue, and I think that that was a good uh, phrase to use for it, Jeremy. Thank you. I give you credit for that. I came up with the phrase. Yeah, you're the first person to use that phrase <laughs> when talking about plot. Uh <laughs> But that connective issue is really the weak point here. And if that had been developed, and it might have made the film like 20 minutes longer, but even if it did, it probably would have been worth it. Because it's only like a under 80-minute film. I think right. it was like 77 minutes. It could have been an hour and 37 minutes if those were good minutes. Yeah, I think there probably was a little bit of something they could have stuck in there. and A little more flesh. Uh, and if they put that flesh on there, I could see this being a four-star film. I could too. Cause... Maybe even above if like that stuff was really strong. Yeah. But uh, as it is, I think that the three-star score that you gave it, Jeremy, is probably the perfect score for it. Right. Pretty Peaches 1 and 2 both got three and a half stars from us, so if I use those as a bar, this is just a little bit below that. Yeah. So that's a, Our bar is Pretty Peaches. Uh, and those films are 
cohesive. Yes. I wouldn't say that, you know, it's like a, the most complex plots in the world, but they're cohesive. They're put together. They make sense. Uh, but yeah, uh, too naughty to say no. Three stars. It was a fun film, though, and I think you guys should still check it out. Despite that star rating not being through the roof, uh, there's still some a lot of fun to be had. Also, Angel, who plays Betty, is super hot in this film. Yeah, definitely. And we get to see her all throughout the film, and it's great. All right, so uh, once again, follow us on social media. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Give it, give it five stars. If we get some five-star ratings, then like other people will see it on their podcast apps, and then we'll get more listeners, and then we'll take over the world basically we can spread the word of the teacher we're gonna do that we're already doing that anyway praise be the teacher praise be the teacher and all his ways god's balls god's balls that's what the priest keeps saying oh yeah 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 god's balls (laughs) uh if you need to get a hold of us raincoat report at gmail.com thanks once again for listening to the podcast Uh, And we want to thank you for helping us keep 42nd Street alive. And when you're down there, don't forget your raincoat. Bye.